Hello and welcome. My name is Juanita Headley. I am a New York attorney and the founder and CEO of Changing Cases. You are listening to a set of podcasts, a series dealing with the issues of human trafficking, child abuse, and of course, can you keep a secret? Keep a, keep a secret. Knowing how to respond to the question. Over the following weeks and months, I'm going to take a look at some hard-hitting topics with a view to educate, empower, and inspire you to change the way that you think, act, and respond to better safeguard the children in your world. Stay tuned until the end of this show, where I'll be sharing not only how you can get a copy of my new book, but I'll also inform you of some upcoming live Zoom trainings and how you can contact me to have your questions featured on a future episode of this show. Let's talk about domestic violence. Now, on social media, there are various groups that are there for the purpose of allowing victims and survivors to have a safe space to be able to talk to other people who can truly identify what they have been through, who can provide support, who can be a listening ear. And even for those who are still in an abusive situation, for them to be able to lean on the strength of others, to be able to walk out of a situation that is harmful or not conducive to them. One of the groups I'm in there was actually a woman, a sister in fact, who posted up a picture of her sister and expressed that her sister had been abused for decades, I believe it was decades, by her husband and that she was finding it very difficult and wanted somebody to help. The comments on this post were intense, there were so many and I believe that the people who were responding to this picture were well-meaning. I wouldn't go as far as to say that they had any malice or bad intent, but I would say that they were well-meaning, that they really wanted the best for this victim. The good news was that information was being transmitted and it came to the attention of a support group or police service. It came to the attention of a division and intervention took place and in fact the police were involved however according to an update the woman said she did not want to take things further as a result of that decision the response that was made by those in the group was that the police should be able to bring charges against a perpetrator of domestic violence whether or not the victim survivor decides to go ahead with it and that is something I completely concur with. We have to appreciate that when a victim survivor has been in an abusive situation for years this destroys them even if it is not physical to the point where their life is taken most definitely mentally. Some of the comments though were indeed incredibly inappropriate in fact, one of the comments that was made said that the woman liked to be beaten. The terminology was a little different, 
but the statement was made that she liked it. And I was speaking with an individual who has her own domestic violence organization in the very same country. And I asked if she was part of the group and she said she didn't believe so. And I said to her that I was concerned because of the lack of knowledge, because of the ignorance that is being portrayed by females. And it's sad because we know when we think about rape culture and we think about a woman who has been a victim of rape or sexual assault and she was out at night or wearing a skirt, we victim blame, victim shame. We put the responsibility upon the victim. Now, often we hear of cases of girls and women being raped, assaulted, abused. We know it happens to boys and sometimes men, particularly those in the homosexual community. However, we have to appreciate that women as society would deem us are perceived to be the weaker sex. I wouldn't say we're the weaker sex, but I'd say that we can very much be overpowered by a male. The dynamics of our physique means that often we tend to be weaker. I use air quotes here. And hence we are easily overpowered. I say that because considering that females know that there is a culture of victimization towards the female gender, considering that women know that we are more likely to be victims of sexual abuse, exploitation, human trafficking, domestic violence, one would consider that they would be more empathetic, more understanding, but their responses were almost domineering in a negative way, something you would expect to come more from a man who doesn't understand. And in fact, as I read through the various responses and comments, I was just infuriated at the disdain and the lack of patience, if I can use such a term, towards these women. The comments were things like, she needs to leave. Why doesn't she leave? She should leave. She needs to leave. And even comments were made directly to her. I can't say if she did or did not see the post, but comments were made directly to her, you need to get out of there. And what I found frustrating is that the people who were commenting were placing the responsibility, placing the burden of departing from an abusive household on the victim, when in fact they should place that responsibility upon themselves and what I mean by that is what we as people don't often accept appreciate or understand that domestic violence whether it is physical or non-physical it impacts and affects that victim it creates fear many times in them it creates a sense of secrecy powerlessness Many victims of domestic violence and even victims of human trafficking are not imprisoned or kept in cages. Many of them have freedom. In fact, if we think about the story of Elizabeth Smart, who was kidnapped in her bed and raped multiple times in her young teenage years by a man and his wife stood by and did absolutely nothing. And Elizabeth Smart would walk around in these religious outfits or garbs and she would come into contact with people, but she never spoke up. And I remember that story very, very vividly. I've watched the docudrama 
And a lot of people fail to understand what it is like to be imprisoned in your mind. Even if we think about unforgiveness, unforgiveness imprisons us. It does not imprison the other person. And that is the thing. A person who perpetrates an offense against another person's person, against themselves mentally, physically, emotionally, they have power and control. That is the dynamics. They are able to destroy and tear that person down and then build them back up again. And so this woman will have often an emotion that is roller coasters of up and down. There'll be a lot of confusion because there are times when the abusive partner may be nice. He may cry, what we call crocodile tears. He may buy flowers. And so she never knows which version of him will be coming home today. The thing is, when we give unsolicited advice to a victim survivor that she should leave, we have no idea how difficult it really is to pick up oneself and to walk away from what you know. I'm not saying there's comfort in being abused. But better the devil you know. Think about when it comes to employment. Although you may have a racist boss or a disrespectful colleague, it's not that bad. And you'd much rather remain there than leave and go elsewhere and end up enduring or encountering a lot worse. And even for myself, that's one of my concerns and fears. What if I go to a new job and I experience negativity, I experience spiritual attacks, if I can use that term, because the Bible says we do not fight against flesh and blood. And so for me, there have on occasion been times when I have been concerned about my future boss, my future employer. And because of the experiences I've had thus far of how the enemy will attack my Achilles heel, will attack my weakness, that gives me cause for second thought. And in fact, recently I was listening to a program on YouTube and the lady was sharing about the flesh and that we need to die to self daily. And she said that the greatest enemy is not Satan or Lucifer, it is our flesh. Because as she rightly said, if our flesh isn't weak, then he cannot present a temptation that we are likely to fall for. So when she made reference to relationships, she was saying the guy with the six pack, the six foot tall guy. In other words, what she's saying is when there is that area of weakness within you, the devil can bring that temptation. When we think about when Jesus was tempted, Jesus had been fasting, so the devil used food as a temptation. And so we have to have wisdom to know that the enemy knows our weakness, the flesh, the areas in our life where we struggle. And so it's not to say there's something wrong with you and Again, there are people who are very judgmental. And when you go for the same experience time and time again, they may make statements that you are the problem, the issue is with you, when to the contrary, it is actually not like that at all. Your flesh is weak. You struggle when it comes to being able to say no. You're a people pleaser, for example. You're an individual who will submit at all costs. You're an individual who is sensitive, you're an individual who has anger issues, an individual who is single and wants to be married, whatever it might be, the enemy can see that. And so he will bring things into your world 
to cause you to fall into sin. And the problem with that is so many of us as believers, we start to distrust and start to doubt things of God. We start to disbelieve. And that is what is disappointing. When I say disappointing, what I mean is that our faith becomes compartmentalized. We only trust God in this area, but not in that area. And what you've got to think about too, when a person is in an abusive relationship, for example, and they leave that abusive relationship, when they've left, they no longer have the security of that stable accommodation. They no longer have the security of finances if the husband was the breadwinner. And even though they were going through very uncomfortable, very destructive, very abusive encounters with their husband, there were positives. And, and it's kind of difficult for me to say that because how can one say there are positives when a person is abusive in nature? When a person destroys you, not just with their words, but with their fists to the point that you have broken bones and to the point where you almost lose your life or God forbid you do lose your life. Because of my belief that there is good in every person and, and if God is the creator of mankind, then I believe that there is, I wouldn't say a piece of God in us because there are children of God, there are children of light and children of darkness. But what I would say is that when God lives and dwells within us, then of course, that means that we are with him and we are protected, we are covered, we are under the shadow of his wing. It may not feel like that. There are stories that you may hear about. There may be experiences you have personally had and you question, where is God? We know that God is not absent. He is right there. And even just recently, I was reading the story about the three men in the fiery furnace. And I love that story. It actually, it, it humors me because why I find it funny is that the king decided that he needed to heat the fiery furnace seven times hotter. And I find that funny because the way that I perceive that is the king knew that these are special people. It's like when there's an anointing in your life and people can just see that they're drawn towards you. They reach out to you. They support you, pray with you, pray for you, bless you. The point is there's something about you that they're seeing. And as we know, when we are believers, we are not light under lampstands. We are sitting on a hill. We are salt and light. And as the word of God says, by their fruit, you will know them. And so your fruit is evident to people. Recently, someone said, how can I tell the character or the values of a person? They were trying to connect me to somebody. And I said, well, what are their values? And they said, well, how will I know their values? This person is an atheist. So I did not come back to them and say, well, by their fruit, you will know them. Even if I didn't use the term fruit, I didn't want to go down that avenue. Now, when I talk to non-believers, I use scriptures all the time. I just don't quote it in King James. I use modern day language. But what I found fascinating is that when they said to me, how do I know the person's values? Interestingly, when I was with them and I communicated, I used a term. Now, in my home country, I use the term all the time. The term, it's not the best of terms, but it is not a curse word under any circumstances. And she was like, you cursed, you cursed, you're a Christian, you cursed. And I was like, no, I didn't. It's not even a real word. Well, it is a real word. I had to Google it. And when I did Google it in the Urban Dictionary, it says that it is an inappropriate word. 
So in other words, although it is not a curse word, according to the Urban Dictionary, it is not a positive word. And so I'm working on trying to change that. I said that word on two occasions when I was in the presence of these atheists. And on both occasions, I thought he was Christian. I thought he was Christian. I didn't say anything. I was quite irritated by it because as I said to them, I'm a human being. I'm not an angel. So I'm not perfect. I never said I was. The expectations they had of me was far too high. But as I said, they were coming to me about how do we know the person's values? Well, how is it that they would anticipate and perceive that I would not use such so-called curse words, which is not a curse word under any circumstances, because they could see my values. They could see my fruit. And on the basis of my fruit, they did not feel there was hypocrisy until I used this term. We have to realize that there are people who are very deceptive. We know that the enemy comes in wolf and sheep's clothing. And I say that because when we may hear of an instance or a situation of domestic violence, for example, we focus on the fruit of the alleged perpetrator. And because they are an upstanding member of society, we have no way of believing that could even be possible. We think it's atrocious. In fact, I was recently on an interview with Nita Bells from In Our Backyard, phenomenal guest who came on the show and shared about her devout faith in God. And the whole program was just really about God. I can say he was definitely elevated in that interview. And she shared a story about some children. I believe they were from Kenya, Uganda, a part of Africa. She didn't recall where, despite having written the book, and how they were trafficked as a choir. I believe they were probably orphans and they would travel around the world, travel around the U.S., and they would sing, but they would stay in hosts' homes. And their organizer or the founder of this choir, a Western white man, he would take all the donations for himself. The children were living in terrible conditions. And it was only months or maybe years later that one of the hosts felt that something wasn't right and asked the right questions, was patience for an answer. And the child eventually disclosed the situation and the children were eventually rescued. In fact, this individual, I believe he was a pastor, he even had them digging a swimming pool. That doesn't sound too bad, right? Well, it is because he had them digging a swimming pool with their bare hands. Just because they have come from an impoverished country doesn't mean that they need to be treated worse than the way they were treated in their home countries. Just because a person comes from poverty does not mean to say that they were living in squalor or mud hut. Far, far from it. The media gives us false perceptions of reality. The media often shapes the way that we think, the things that we say, and we often have a lack of sensitivity. Even coming back to this Facebook post, you need to leave. That, in my opinion, is not helpful. I think she already knows that. What I believe we need to do when we have somebody in our world who is a victim survivor of domestic violence, rather than putting the responsibility on her or even him to leave, because sometimes women abuse their partners, we need to put the responsibility on ourselves that we will provide them a safe place to stay. We will provide them transportation from the place that they're living. We will come into the house when the husband is out and help them pack. There are so many logistics involved to leaving, practically speaking, packing, 
getting your identification, your documents, if you have children, getting their belongings, moving physically from that house into a vehicle, a means of transportation to the next destination. And the reality is, even if this woman does escape and stays with family, that is the first place he's going to look. And depending on the kind of family that she has, she may be sent back to her husband. In fact, according to many posts I've seen in this group, they have shared that certain ethnic origins, once you have left your family's home for marriage, there is no acceptance back. And in a place like India, unfortunately, that is often the reality. If a young girl or woman is married and leaves, gets divorced or becomes a prostitute or forced into sexual exploitation is trafficked, if she tries to return home, her family will not receive her with open arms because of the shame that is brought to the family, the shame that is brought to the name. I wouldn't say it goes so far as honor killings, which we hear about in the Middle East and maybe even in parts of Pakistan, but be honor killing. But for me, it's sad. But one person posted on this group something very empowering, I personally believe, and she said, when a woman is married, the family should give her a key to the house that she grew up in and say, you always have a room here. And someone shared a story about how the sibling, the brother in fact, had inherited the family house, but that there were, let's say, three bedrooms that were always vacant and available so that at any time, any one of the sisters knew that they had a safe space to go to. And in fact, one sister was having a rocky divorce and she went there. I can't say if it was abusive or not, that wasn't shared. But the fact of the matter was, there was a place for her to go, to be safe, a place where she could remain without the fear of her husband turning up and she being kicked out because the family doesn't want that drama. They don't want all that going on. And that is the thing. It's not just about being your brother's keeper. Yes, we know the scripture. It is more than that. It's about being your neighbor's keeper. And who is your neighbor? The person across the road, the person on the bus, the person in the grocery store. We can become so wrapped up and self-centered and fixated on our family that we do not extend a hand to people on the outside. And I say that because in the UK at Christmas time, there will be students, same as in other countries, but in the UK there will be students who have traveled from overseas to become an engineer, a doctor, a graphic designer, whatever it is, and they've decided to pursue their undergraduate degree in the United Kingdom. Because of the cost of flights at Christmas, only people who've saved or maybe have a lot of money in the bank or a rich will travel at one of the most expensive times of year. Therefore, you'll have a lot of people who will be in the UK who do not have family members. And so at Christmas time, it becomes very lonely for them. And even if they're part of a church community, why is it lonely? Because in the UK, Christmas is known as family time. For me, that grates on my nerves immensely. I do not believe Christmas is family time. As a born-again Christian, Christmas is Jesus' birthday. Now, I know we can say, oh, he wasn't born on that day, the shepherds, but who really cares about the specifics? The fact of the matter, he was born. So when we there fight and argue about, well, it wasn't Christmas, it was in June or whenever, who actually cares? Does it really matter if it was December 25th or June 5th? 
No, it doesn't. All that matters is that he was born. That is all that matters. And this is a day of celebration. Yes, those who do not celebrate say it is a pagan festival. I totally get that. Each to their own. The point I'm trying to make is the focus of Christmas is supposed to be Jesus' birthday. Even the fact is called Christmas, Christmas, Jesus' birthday. But instead of it being about Jesus, and he said in the Bible, I was hungry, I was naked. And they said, when did we see you hungry? When did we see you naked? And he said, what you do for the least of them? What you do for those students who don't have family because they're overseas? And so that is a problem. And it's not a UK mindset. It is a people mindset. Not every person has that family time mindset. But there are many people who family time, family problem, family support, family, family. Not saying there's anything wrong with Honoring, respecting, loving, cherishing, and nurturing a family, obviously not. But when we are believers, we know that our family is not just those we're connected to via DNA, via genes. But we know that the strongest family we can have is the family that is reunited with Christ. A family that no matter where we are in the world, we have that connection, we have that unity. We have the Holy Spirit who lives and dwells within us. So therefore, when we have the Holy Spirit in us, that enables us to be able to spend time with a fellow believer, pray and interact and engage fellowship with a fellow believer that we've never met before in our lives. And it is as though we've known them forever. It is not superficial and it is hard for non-believers to understand, but there is just this connection. We both know the word of God. We both know God. And so we have that intimate connection that no one can take away. For me, I've had that encounter and experience all around the world. I meet complete strangers and there's just that connection. There's just this spiritual atmosphere, if I can use such a term, that it's like I've known them forever. And sometimes those connections are even stronger than those with your own family, particularly when they're not even believers. So I want to encourage you, stop placing responsibility upon that victim, upon that child. Why didn't you tell me you were abused? Why didn't you say anything sooner? Let's stop with the why, the blaming, and let's flip the switch, change the dynamics, and let's instead say, what can I do? How can I stretch a hand into this pit of destruction, pit of abuse, pit of violence? How can I stretch my hand to that victim survivor and help them out of the situation? Empathy is not shouting down, are you okay down there? You should leave. Empathy is stretching out a hand for that person to get out. Fear is false evidence appearing real. For that person to have the courage, that strength to leave that situation, to overcome that fear, they need power. We know the power of God is more than able and more than capable. They need the power that is within them, the same power that exists in our words, that spoke the earth into existence. The power exists in us to speak things as though they were, to speak to the fig tree and it will shrivel up and die. The same way that we can speak into a person's situation, that we can change the atmosphere by our words, and lift them up and build them up and edify them. Give them the strength because when we are weak, 
we know that God makes us strong and he can use any vessel. If God can use a donkey, he can use you too. Thank you for listening to another episode of Can You Keep a Secret? I trust that the information has been useful to you. I believe that we all need knowledge and education, and when we have a better understanding of topics such as abuse, it enables us to better safeguard the children in our world. For a better understanding of the topics being covered each week, then please reach out to me for a copy of my new book, Can You Keep a Secret? You can follow me, message or email me, so that I can answer your questions in upcoming episodes. We can all learn from one another. And this is an educational series that I hope will impact and change not just your life, but also that of the people around you. You can find all my contact details on my website, changingcases.org. That's changingcases.org. Remember to share this podcast with friends and family members. There are victims and survivors in your world. You just don't know it. But if we can all be educated, then the world will be a safer place. Please tune in next week for another episode.